Hey guys, welcome back to the Allergic to Grace podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. And we're so glad you joined in to listen to us today. Um, today we're going to be going through Genesis chapters 6 through 10. Uh, but before we jump into that, we're going to do a little bit of a recap of what we went over last week in Genesis chapters 1 through 5. So in these first few chapters of Genesis, we kind of get our fundamentals or our foundations for what are going to help us go through the rest of the books in the Bible. We get our foundations, we find out, you know, what love is, what sin is, what grace is, and we learn about judgment. And salvation. Yes. Yep. So Genesis chapters 1 through 5 runs through the creation of the world, the creation of man, the fall, the story of Cain and Abel, and then the genealogy from Adam to Noah. Um, which if you tuned in with us last week, kind of had a secret message within there that said, man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God shall come down teaching his death shall bring the despairing rest. So we saw a little bit of God's fingerprint just stamped right in there for us. And that is the generations from Adam to Noah and what those names mean in that specific order. Um, So at this point, Cain has been cast out. Um, He's been forced to roam the land. He's had his own generations of people, and his brother Seth has also had the same generations of people, which leads to Noah. So picking up in chapter 6, we fast-forwarded about nine generations since Adam's creation, or about 1,056 years. So I guess we can just go ahead and jump right into chapter 6. In 6... Three is one of the first ones I kind of want to talk about. It said, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. What do you think that means? I don't know. I feel like when I first read it, um, I thought that they may be referring to how many years a person was going to live. But then, you Mm -hmm. know, um, as we read further in the Bible, there are people who live after the flood. Yeah, after the flood that lived much longer than 120 years. Yeah. So I'm not really entirely sure. Yeah, I I thought the same thing, you know, just because people nowadays don't even live to 120 years anymore. We're look if we get to what, like 70s. Yeah. Um, but some people say this could have been the span of time between when God proclaimed this and the flood, maybe, because saying, you know, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. I'm going to destroy all flesh in 120 years. Or, like you said, lifespan. That's what I thought. Um, but still, people post-flood lived a really, really long time. So, I mean, I guess it's just one of those little small details that we really... It's not really important to get hung up on, but I don't know. I'm the type it's that... interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Speaking of interesting topics, Ooh. the Nephilim spoken about in Chapter 6 um, kind of overlaps with you know, six, three, it's, it's one through four mostly. So it says when man began to multiply in the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives, any they chose. And then chapter or verse four says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. So the Nephilim are, these offspring of the sons of God and human women, right? Yeah. So some people say that they were giants. Some people say that they had crazy superhuman strength and and did all these things. Um, And they were men of renown. But a lot of the speculation around the Nephilim are really focusing in on who the sons of God were. And there are a lot of... Okay, I got dug down into a deep rabbit hole <laughs> with this topic, okay? We might need to do a whole another episode once we have some time to kind of get some resources yes. together and learn yes. more about it. Um, but there's a couple of different lines that people think that the sons of God were. Some people think they were descendants of Seth, so the Sethites, um, that they were of God, they were godly men, they fell from God because Nephilim means to fall. Um, and then they started having offspring with ungodly women. So that would be the Nephilim. It doesn't really account for their size or their strength that they supposedly had or anything like that. But another one is that they were successors to Lamech, which was Cain's descendant, um, who, again, were not sons of God. They fell from God in the long line since Cain um, and then had 
offspring with human women. Um, but I think it may not be the most popular, but it's the one that makes sense, the most sense in my brain is that they were fallen angels, just like Satan, you yeah. know, yeah. That, that they fell, they can roam between heaven and earth. They were kind of not supernatural, but they were spiritual. They weren't yeah, physical I would beings. Say supernatural. They could yeah. be physical beings. Yeah. Um, which yeah. would account for their size. It would account for the the type of corruption that we see increasing on the earth, which leads to the flood. Why God would want to, you know, blot out man. Um, but a lot of people, it's it's a lot up in the air. It's a lot of speculation. It's an interesting topic, though, I think. I think so. It's one of my favorite topics. I think we should definitely go back and do a bonus episode on the knife love at some point. Seriously, Because, you know, a lot of people say Stonehenge was built by them. Mm -hmm. And both Stonehenges, if you don't know what I'm talking about, (laughs) we can do a bonus episode. Yes. (laughs) Interesting. Anyway, so moving on from that, that's just a whole other thing. It's They're not mentioned in the Bible all that much. Um, they, I think they were mentioned maybe once other in numbers. Yeah, in numbers. Um, but we don't really have, you know, biblical answers. We have speculation. Yeah. That we can draw upon kind of like, you know. Anything else, really. Anything else, the yeah. spirit of 120 years. But it's just one of those small details that is fascinating to me. Yeah. Either way, we know that they largely contributed to the violence and the corruption that was happening here on the earth that led to the, the flood. flood. Yeah. Yep. So I guess moving on from that, um, you know, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every intention of the thoughts of their hearts were only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart. So to me, when I read this verse, there are really two words that kind of strike me or hit me kind of hard. Mm -hmm. You know, people always say, you know, words are strong. And I have found that to be so true when reading the Bible, Um, you know, not just specifically in this example, but, you know, others too. But in this verse, in verse six, there are two words that really strike me. The first one is regretted. Um, because I don't know if you've ever even just made like a, you know, just a small decision. You immediately that, oh, you know. I shouldn't have sent that email. Yes. I shouldn't have sent that text. Yes. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Like, yes. and then. I should not have bought that over $100,000 car. That did not happen in <laughs> no, real life. No, it did not. Um, <laughs> and, and grieved. I think that those are two just really strong words um, from that verse that really jump out and speak mm-hmm. to me. Yep regretted that he had made man and it grieved him to his heart so i think regretted that word we kind of have to go back and look at it a little bit deeper because we know god is changelessness like he does not change his mind he does not you know he has a plan he knows everything that's ever going to happen so there's no need for him to yeah whatever decision he makes is the right decision therefore it it doesn't need to change yes in that word, regretted, he deals appropriately with the changes in human behavior. So when people sin or repent of sin, he changes his mind, quote unquote, with regard to the blessing or punishment appropriate to the situation. So Makes it's basically, we, he gives a choice. We have free will. Yeah, absolutely. So he knows what's going to happen. He, you know, it's it's all in accordance with his sovereign and eternal purposes. Absolutely. Um because God is changeless in his beginning and eternally loyal to his covenant promises and unchanging decree, we can have firm confidence in him who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then the grief to him to, the, to his heart, I think it's interesting that my Bible points out that the Hebrew here means indignant rage. As in, he was so angry, he literally wanted to wipe the face of the planet. Can you just imagine the anger... <laughs> to want to wipe, blot out everything that he's everything made, everything that lived, everything that breathed, just. Mm-hmm. And so then I think that leads in the next verse we see. So the Lord said, "I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things, and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them." Mm-hmm. So here we just see where God made the decision that you're done. You're done. You're done. Humans are done. I am done dealing with this. I am done with the sin. I am done with the corruption. And so I have a plan to wipe it all out. That's basically what he says in that, mm-hmm. in that verse. Yeah. 
Um, so in verse 8, it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So God's grace and favor are always unmerited. So Noah didn't do anything in particular to gain God's grace and to earn God's favor. Um, so Noah's integrity cannot earn God's acceptance for eternal salvation. Um, grace and favor cannot be earned by anyone. It can only be given by God as he chooses. So God saves Noah as he saves us as a free, unconditional gift that Christ finally purchases with his own blood. So I just wanted to point out kind of in verses 9 and 11, um, just some words of contrast that we see. And we see that Noah is described as being righteous blameless and walking with God while the remainder of the earth um, is described as corrupt and violent. Um, and when talking about Noah and him being blameless, the Hebrew word for blameless does mean perfect. However, it does not mean without sin. Mm -hmm. So Noah was not without sin. The only person, human being who ever walked the earth that was without sin was Jesus. Jesus. Um, but he was blameless and he was not, uh, I think a problem or a contributor to what was going on with the rest of the earth. Yeah. It says that not, not that Noah is sinless, like you said, yes. because we see his sin in, in chapters nine, 20 through 23, mm -hmm. but that his devotion to God and God's commandments is unchallenged. The fundamental orientation of his life is to please the Lord. Yep. So his his way of life distinguishes him from others. His moral integrity is evidence of his trust in God and relationship with God. So that's why God saves Noah. So then in verse 13, uh, we see that God tells Noah of his plan um, to basically destroy the earth or to destroy everything that is living on the earth. He says, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. for The earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And can you just imagine, like, you know, you're living your life, your family's living their lives, you're living the way you're supposed to be, and God tells you, so I'm going to destroy everything. <laughs> and you say, um, but me? <laughs> yeah. So how do you, like, how would you That's notice so we don't see any questions? Like, Noah doesn't ask questions. Like, he just. He's like, okay. All right. Okay. How yes, do I sir. play into this plan? Yeah. So, um, it's not even that he asked how he played in the plan. The God just was like, you're going to make an ark. Yeah. And so we did. This is the, this is the units. This is, this is everything you need to know. Yep. And so I think this is the first time that we can see Noah's obedience and his faith in God, mm -hmm. that he's got everything. Recurring theme. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll come up later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is the first time that Noah is, Noah, that God is telling Noah that he's going to bring a flood, right? Yep. So 14 through 17, the flood is kind of an act of recreation. Earth is being purified by water. So it's kind of like John the Baptist a little, a little bit, where baptism comes from, if you can think on a global scale to a very, very, very high degree. Um, God is wiping every sin, every corrupt, every, you know. Afflicted, tainted. Yes, thing from the earth. Yeah. And basically making it anew with water. Um, so can we just take a second to discuss how big this arc is? Yeah, I, cause you always see pictures, you know, like illustrations depicted either like in a children's Bible story or like, you know, and they kind of have to squeeze the arc down to fit into, mm -hmm. you know, the illustration. But this structure was absolutely massive. I like the depictions of in the children's Bibles books of like the giraffe sticking their head out, yeah. the elephant sticking their of head the, out. Of the window. Of the tiny little window. And I'm just yeah. like, that's not how it is at all. Yeah. But to just, so like when you read this, to me anyway, because, you know, if you don't go and do research. And, on what a cubit um, is. Yeah. Or, or how big the ark actually was. I'm sure, you know, maybe that's how you picture it. But this thing was massive. massive. Um, About the size of a modern day battleship. Yeah. Huge. Like three stories. Ginormous. Absolutely ginormous. And there, I, I kind of want to go to this place it's in arkansas it's called the ark encounter and they've built a replica because we know how how many like how 
what the unit of a cubit is. It's about 18 inches. So, you know, they have it from the Bible. We can build it in modern day. And that's what this, this place in, is it Cart, Kansas? Kentucky. Kentucky? Yeah, it's Kentucky. It's, it's uh, what they encounter. What they've done. And they have, you know, all of these things about Noah's Ark, about the time before the flood and like everything. That's a very informative place. But I, I watched a video on it the other day. And the guy says he always likes to look at the people's faces when they get off the bus from the parking lot. And they step out and they see how massive I can I can only is. imagine. So... I'm looking at their website, the Ark Encounters website, mm-hmm. and pulling these um, measurements from there. So the Ark itself was approximately 510 feet long. So like we know that that is a big number. So they say you can fit um, for NASA shuttles. yeah, to lay three space shuttles mm-hmm. nose to tail the whole way across it, across the roof. Like, you know, I've never seen a space shuttle, so I don't really know how big that is. But I'm assuming it's huge. Yeah, yeah. There, are, I'm. I mean, not, I've never seen one in real life. Right? But like, if you just look at it, you know it's. You know how big an airplane is. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Ark was again. This is coming from their website. the The roof of the Ark was more than fifty feet from the ground. That's higher than a four story house. Insane. Four stories. A four story house roof was that yeah. high. And then as far as like cargo space, you could fit about, has the capacity of about 450 semi trailers. That's insane. So we're talking about the inside, right? So that means it could hold up to 120,000 sheep. So thinking in terms of animals, obviously, you know, Noah didn't only have sheep, but 120,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep. Yes. So that's just an idea or as far as like comparison goes to to give you an idea of how big this you know, structure was. I wonder how long it took him to build it. Uh, and I wonder if he had help. I could imagine he had help. I mean, maybe his family helped his him. Sons. Yeah, his sons maybe. But I don't think, I mean, the rest of the, like. It doesn't say. But like, that's insane. That's a giant boat. Massive. And Massive if you boat measuring, measuring by, because a cubic was measured with your arm or your hand. Yeah. So you would have to like lay it out, mark it, lay it out, so mark crazy. it. How long? The, it and to with? just do it. And to just do it. Knowing no how much work. Yeah. How much work this was going to take for you to do. And he did it anyway. Because I'll be honest, I might have been all gung ho, like, yes, yeah, save me and my family. I had to get cut You're down that first it. tree, and, and I'd be like, no, uh-huh. no, cut. <laughs> Mind you, we're cutting down a tree with a handsaw. We're not. Was it a handsaw? <laughs> we don't know. No, we don't know, but we know there was no gas or electric tools involved. That's insane. It's just in- crazy to think about. And, and he did it anyway. He built this whole thing anyway. That's so insane. I would love to go to the Ark Encounter. So the Ark Encounter is actually, I don't know if they're sponsored. I don't know if, if this this thing kind of goes behind it. But gotquestions.org is a resource that I've seen pop up a lot lately in my research on Genesis and just my research on the Bible in general. So um, I think the video I watched about the Ark Encounter, they, I guess maybe they sponsored that talk or that video. I don't know. Um, but the gotquestions.org kind of, compiles a bunch of resources, a bunch of those obvious questions, um, you know, about anything that you could possibly find in the Bible and tries to give you straightforward answers about your questions. Um, so I think that's a really good resource as well with the Ark Encounter and, you know, just your general questions about anything in the Bible. Because, you know, I went down a rabbit hole the other day about Cain and about how he left and was and was you know settling in other places and how he found a wife and then he had his own line of people right and if you think about it Adam and Eve were the only couple on the face of the planet they were multiplying for humanity right so if you think about it Cain likely married a niece or a sister yep. or a great niece or yep. something like that and it's just kind of like um okay <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Whole whole other got, story. Whole, whole other, other story. conversation. I got in a whole lot of rabbit holes. I got in a lot of <laughs> rabbit holes this time, guys. I'm so sorry. But 
Um, anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Gatquestions.org is a great resource if yes. you're looking for those yeah. random questions that just pop into your brain sometimes. Yes. Um, but moving on, 618 is talking about Noah and God's, or God's covenant with Noah. Um, and he says, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives with you. And here, again, like Victoria said, we see um, that this is just where he promises Noah that he will save him and save his sons yes. and their families. Yes, their families. I think that is an interesting point. So God preserves humanity in its basic family structure. I think it's kind of awesome that Noah was the one that found favor in God's eyes, but God saved his wife, his sons, his son's wives. So he often deals savingly with entire family units, including children. So, I mean, obviously, if you think about it, he could have just saved Noah and his wife. Or even just Noah. Could he, though? Because I mean, Noah not had to, to repopulate the earth. Not to repopulate the earth, but I mean, he could have. <laughs> he could have. <laughs> and plopped him up another woman. So here in verse 19, we see this is where um, God is starting to give no instruction on how to fill the ark. Mm -hmm. um, he says, And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep alive with you. They shall be male and female. So... This is where if you ever hear people even I've even heard it reference outside of like the Bible, like, oh, go two by twos or, mm -hmm. you know, that's yeah. where this is coming from. Two by two of every living thing. Speaking of every living thing, we're going to talk about another little rabbit hole I got drugged down um, <laughs> in my research for this episode. Dinosaurs and the art. Yes. So um, we all know dinosaurs existed. Correct. We have their bones. Um, that is physical evidence that we have straight in front of us. And surprisingly enough, I did find a video about dinosaurs. I found a lot of videos about dinosaurs <laughs> and the Ark, you know, because I guess it's a point of contention or it's just this big major topic because, yeah. you know, we start talking about the age of the earth and like all that stuff, which we're not going to get into. But if you ask me, dinosaurs had to be on the Ark. They had to. Because God created yeah. everything in six days. We have evidence that dinosaurs existed. And so every living thing, two by two, went onto the ark. Now, yeah. were they fully grown dinosaurs? Probably freaking not. No, and same with the other animals. They were probably babies. Yeah, because they had to be in the ark for the amount of time of the flood. And then they had to be able to be of reproductive age by the time they got off. Yeah. That's all that needed to happen. So anyway. I digress. Um, yes. Kent Hovind is one of the people who have devoted their lives to dinosaurs and the ark and, you know, creation and all of that. Got Questions is a great uh, resource to go and look about dinosaurs in the ark. I could go on for days about this because it was actually really interesting to find. But the ark encounter also has some exhibits on dinosaurs and the ark. Yes. And so I think this too, um, if we keep reading or look a little bit further... Um, down in verse 20, um, it says, Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. So people sometimes think, and I was thinking too, Noah did not go out and gather up these animals. Like, <laughs> did not have a checklist. Okay, today I have to find two bunny rabbits and two deer. He, they were coming to him. Mm -hmm. And so this makes me In the me right think, time. Yes. Yes. So this makes me think, you know how like when your dog can tell that there's a storm coming or like if there's going to be like rain and there's birds or squirrels or something gathering outside. I just are had a random thought and I'm so sorry to like interrupt you. But going back to that 120 years, what if that's how long it took Noah to build the ark? Bruh. Oh, yes! <laughs> that makes so much sense. Right? I wonder. That's crazy. If you know when we are incorrect, please feel free to let us know. Anyway, continue. But that is such a good point. I was wondering why you were making that face at me, and I was trying so hard to keep going. I'm so sorry. Yes, no. My spirit shall not abide in man forever for his flesh. His days shall be 120 years. And then he tells him he needs to build an ark. Anyway, continue. <laughs> So I'm thinking this is where that animal instinct of they know something's coming and they need to prepare because it started thousands of years ago whenever they were preparing to go onto the ark. 
makes complete sense. And a lot of people, you know, like you said, Noah wasn't going out there being like, I need to find some lions, some yeah. tigers, Here, some snipe, bears. Here, snipe, snipe. Here, snipe, snipe. <laughs> you know? No, he wasn't doing that. He um, was building his ark all along, and then God was like, all right, the ark's done. I'm about to rain for, you know. He was sending the animals to him. Yes, yeah. that instinct that you were talking about. Because they are creatures of God, so... Is it that far-fetched that God could be like, hey, go to Noah now. You're going to enter his boat. Not at all. Not (laughs) at all. So then we see in 622, this is one of my favorite verses out of the the reading that we did today. Mm -hmm. So as Noah did this, he did all that God commanded him. Do you know how hard it would be just to do everything? Because think about it. Like I said, you're living your regular life. God says, hey, Listen, I'm going to destroy everything, and I need you to build this absolutely massive structure <laughs> to keep you and your family safe. Oh, and to also house everything on Earth. Yeah. In, in, in couples. Yes. So don't worry. You're just going to, you know, repopulate the new Earth. Yeah. This, to yeah. This now. Yep. So I just think it's commendable. And to think about the amount of unhindered faith that Noah has, Mm -hmm. um, that's just something I wish I kept, not just in like a select situation, not just in a situation where I think, you know, oh yeah, if I just do what God says, then, you know, it's going to benefit me to not even know what the outcome is going to look like and just blindly say, you got it, Lord, I'll do it. That's your faith. All the time. Yep. So, Noah has all these animals on this ark, right? And in chapter 7, it talks about clean animals. And he needs to have seven pairs of all clean animals, male and, and his mate, um, a pair of the animals that are not clean, and the, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, also male and female, to keep their offspring alive in the face of all the earth. Seven pairs of all the birds on the earth. That includes pterodactyls. And pigeons. Like, I can't. Seven pairs of every single bird on Earth. That's a lot of birds. A lot of bird feces. Anyway, um, the seven clean animals. I had a question about this because I was like, okay, wait. How does Noah know these animals are clean? You know, like, he... And my Bible in the study section, it kind of explains it just a little bit. It says, he knows the distinction between clean and unclean through special revelation. It says, fundamental institutions of the Mosaic law, the Sabbath, the ideal sanctuary, and sacrifice reach back to the pre-flood creation order. Um, and it also says that Earth's future depended on these sacrifices um, for its, you know, continued prosperity after the flood. Mm-hmm. So I think it was really interesting that... God also commanded him to, to, you know, upkeep his, his sacrificial, you know, routine and and relationship with him while on the boat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oh, and then some of it was also for food, animals for food. Yes. Um, Even though, I don't think that comes until later. Yeah. Because wasn't everything like vegetarian? Yes. Yeah. So we'll, yeah, we'll get to that further down the line. Mm -hmm. So yet again... Another one of my favorite verses, um, 7 5. Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Again, just another. It's just a reoccurring thing. Yeah. It, another awesome example of how Noah just listened. He just did what he said because he had complete and total mm-hmm. faith in God. Yep. No wonder he found favor in God's eyes. <laughs> Seriously. He was his perfect soldier. Yes. <laughs> so in 16, we're starting to get into. Um, where the floods, it's going to start raining. And so in chapter 7, verse 16, And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. I think those last few words, and the Lord shut him in, they just kind of sit with me or, you know, maybe even after you listen to this, it might sit with you too. Mm-hmm. Um Makes me think of, you know, not only the surface things that, yes, God is taking care of Noah, Noah's family. He's protecting them. Um, but also to kind of parallels even with like life in general. God opens certain doors. God closes doors. Mm-hmm. And it is for your protection. While we may not see the answer now, you know, God closes one door and then opens another door. Kind mm-hmm. of like after the flood when the ark's door is open. It's a whole new world. Yep. And another thing about doors 
Elsewhere in scripture, doors provide safety for God's people in times of judgment. So while God rained judgment on the wicked in the cases of Lot, Israel, and Rahab. 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 I don't know if that's also correct. That's how I've always heard it. That's fine. They all found safety behind closed doors. Yes. Um, So Jesus also uses the symbol of separation and describing the safety of the righteous in the day of the Lord's coming. So I think that's really interesting. Yes. Um, The Lord shut him in. So then as we get further down into chapter 7, I just want to take a second. So we talked about how massive the ark was, Mm -hmm. right? How big this guy was. Now imagine the amount of water, the depths of water just sloshing and throwing you around how because it's described in here as the and the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all high mountains under the whole heaven were covered um and that's verse 19 they describe it as mighty waters can you imagine how tiny that ark must have looked compared to everything else around it to the waves to the swirling and things that were throwing it around i just thought that was really interesting to think about because we just talked about how big it was but then to think about how small it was in comparison with everything else that was happening i mean if you if you take a battleship and stick it in the middle of the ocean and then zoom out it's just tiny yeah exactly exactly and just to imagine the whole entire earth flooded in in nothing but water and it says the waters prevailed above the mountains covering them 15 cubits deep so above the mountains it was still 15 cubits deep it's insane. And there are mountains that you can't, it's, you can't get to the top Everest. Of. Yeah. Think about that. Way, way above the top of Everest is how much water was on this earth. <laughs> so crazy. It's crazy to think about. Um, so then when I read, you know, further down in verse 23, he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left. And those who were with him in the ark. Just the emptiness that I feel when I read that. Not hopelessness Mm -hmm. because God, you know, was there. He had Noah. Noah knew that God had him. But just when I read that, it just, you just get the feeling of emptiness because they were literally the only things left. At least he had his family. Yes. But I mean, though, everything that was in that ark, that was it, was all just the only things that were there. That's crazy. I mean, how crazy is that? He must have had friends. Noah. I'm sure. Neighbors. Neighbors. People he knew. He had to sit in there and know that everything was being wiped from the face of the planet. And he was the chosen one, basically. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, in verse 24, it says, The waters prevailed on earth for 150 days. Um, I would be so seasick. <laughs> right? You said that, and immediately I'm thinking of, I would be trapped in a boat with my family. For 100 and, well, 150 days that the waters were there. The entire, they were on the boat for 370 days. That's, That's over a year. Now, we're not talking Cain and Abel anger here, but if I had to live with my brother for that long, there would be some fighting. Let me just oh, say yeah. that. Not to mention the amount of work that you had to do because, hey, yes, you were all living there, but all the other animals needed fed. They all needed cleaned up after. They all needed checked on and taken care of. I wonder of. if they had to keep plants alive. That's over a year. Yeah. Did they get a year's worth of food and stick it in there? So he says, God says, when he gives Noah the instructions, he I would does... be at a mental institution by the time I got out of that boat, though. Uh, yeah. If I had to be stuck in there with my family for 370-some days, heck yeah. Yes. I love my family. Don't get me wrong. But in-laws, like, imagine if you were one of his wives. Knowing that your wives. whole family was going to be killed. I didn't even think about that. Me either. Oh do I just said that. Can you imagine, like, you're going to get on the boat with... Noah. Your, yeah. Well, your, in-laws. Your, your husband. Your husband, your husband and, and his... your husband's family. Yeah. But, like, your mom. Your siblings. Your siblings. Your dad. Your dog. Oh. <laughs> no, don't bring the dogs into this. <laughs> like, can you... Oh, my goodness. I didn't, I didn't even, even think, think about, about that. that. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, no. Speaking of the animals that needed to be kept after and everything, can we talk about the elephant <laughs> in the room? <laughs> I see what you did there. The poop. 
oh, the seriously. amount of feces just from just one animal for like over a year. Imagine how much a, a human poops. Well, that would be there too. Where would the poop go? That's what I'm wondering. Like, did they have like? We're not talking about poop like on this entire rape episode. it across and like did throw they it out, out the window. Yeah, because there was only at least from what I could see, there but was only one in the hatch. Yeah, and I, I imagine like it. It's like up. But he only did that once. Yeah. So out that bird. So I don't know. I, oh. I don't know. I don't know. How did the people bathe? My hair. How did they get so water? Crazy. I mean, God had them. They yes, weren't going to die. Clearly, again, the faith. The Seriously. faith. The faith that Noah had to have. Imagine having to take a poop in front of your whole family. Like, you know <laughs> how upset I would be with my husband? <laughs> Like, you're still on the poop. Goodness. I can't. Uh, the poop is really... <laughs> okay. We need to come away from the poop here. We've still got a lot to cover. <laughs> yes. So that's the end of chapter seven. And on that note... <laughs> We're ending it. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and then in beginning of chapter eight... Yes. I mean, ending ending seven with just the reality of being on that boat for 370 days. You have to be thinking, okay... When are we going to get out of here? Right. I would be, I'm not going to lie. I would be angry. I'd be stir crazy. I would be depressed because. <laughs> I haven't seen every, the sun. <laughs> everything is, gone. everything is gone. Everything you ever knew, except for what was on that boat. Would you be depressed though? Because you're there. Yeah. But think about losing something, grieving the loss of something. Like you said, friends. I guess. Neighbors. I guess. Loved ones. Their wives. The wives losing their moms and dads. I guess. Like, you know, it would be hard. Yeah. It would be hard. But there no. was a reason they did that. Well, yes, absolutely there was. I'm not saying that there wasn't, but yeah. all the emotions are still there. I guess. So anyway, in 8-1, the first thing that it says is, God remembers Noah. Remember Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. In this, in this verse, God remembered Noah. The Hebrew expression indicates action based on previous commitment, not mental recollection so it's not like oh god was like oh yeah i stuck oh, yeah. a person in that boot yeah i forgot about him out there hey guys not like just go check on him yeah. no he remembered his his previous commitment he had with noah yes and so now we know that our god is faithful we know that our god keeps his word and so when i was thinking about this could god have just said i mean i know i promised noah and them but he could have kept the earth flooded for much mm-hmm. longer. He could have decided not to not to recreate the earth. It's kind of like when you are the example that I like to use is when you're rage cleaning. <laughs> and you are just so like because remember, God was sad, he was angry. Indignant rage. He was upset. Yeah. And so you think about when you're rage cleaning, you just start throwing stuff away, you know, oh, this is here, this is here, this is here. And then you realize, oh, whoops, maybe I've gone too far. You can't stay like that forever. <laughs> yes. But God didn't do that. You know, he just which would have been completely understandable if he had, mm-hmm. he kept his word to Noah. Yes. Chapter eight, verse two. Um, or actually it's verse one. It says, and God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. Um, and in the Hebrew here, the word wind, which is, I, th- I think is, this is actually kind of cool. The word wind is the same word for the word spirit in chapter one, verse two, when God was, um, creating the earth. So if we go back and we read chapter one, uh, verse two. It says the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So after the flood, it's kind of like God is mirroring that original creation act. And we can see that, you know, first it says renewing the earth out of the waters, which is chapter eight, verse one through three, and also chapter one, verse 25. Um, second gathering of the waters, chapter eight, two through five, and verse in chapter one, six through nine. Um, he places the birds back into the heavens, which is chapter eight, six through twelve, and chapter one, twenty through twenty-three. The establishment of dry land, which is eight thirteen, and chapter one, nine through twelve. The emergence of animals and humans upon the earth to multiply and fill it, which is chapter eight, sixteen through nineteen, and chapter one, twenty-four through twenty-seven. 
And then finally, the divine blessing, which is chapter 9, 1 through 3, and chapter 1, 28 through 30. So it's kind of like post-flood, he's recreating the world. He's doing exactly what he did in the very beginning. It's exactly what he's doing. And then if we move on down to, <laughs> I kind of jumped around there for a little bit, but chapter 4, or chapter 4, verse 4 um, it says that the ark came to rest and the mountains of, I'm going to say this completely wrong. Ararat? Ararat? Ar- <laughs> Ararat? I don't know. Ar- Ararat. Those mountains. Those mountains. Mentioned in, in the Bible, Genesis chapter 8, verse 4. Yes. Um, I think I've seen a few things that have said that they found the ark and like those aerial images. It looks very similar it does. to what it would look like. And, I believe I had read something that said that the measurements that are there match those of what would have been. I mean, it rested on a mountain. So it's not like it got washed away by water again. Yeah. And it was an actual physical structure. Like, it happened. I guess it could have degraded, but... Probably, I mean, remember too, like what's usually the temperature at the top of mountains. It's cold. It's colder. So things would have been preserved for longer. So maybe it just like froze and petrified or something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they may have found the ark. If they did, that'd be some kind of crazy. It would. All those Bible naysayers would be like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, yes, that's just a big boat somebody built. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. So moving on, chapter chapter 8, verse 6 through 12, he's basically trying to see if there's land. Yeah, he notices that he can tell that the waters are starting to abate and wants to know if there's land. So he first releases a raven and comes nothing back. comes of that, obviously. Yep. And then he sends out a dove. Um, and eventually, as you read further down, the dove brings back the olive branch to show that, okay, there's vegetation starting to spring up. There's dry land. And then he releases the dove again and he just... It, I don't say the dove doesn't come back because it found somewhere to live and to nest and that kind of thing. I just think it's interesting that a dove is what flew out and what found the land and things because a dove can symbolize hope. Yeah. But then we see later on kind of going back to what you said about John the Baptist in the water. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, we learned in the gospels, it says the, the Holy Spirit comes down upon Jesus like a dove. So oh, just another just like another little parallel. Yeah, that, that the dove here, I think, you know, obviously serves a physical, like an actual purpose. But also, I think we Symbolism. can see how where the, the dove becomes a symbol of hope, too. Yes. Uh, I didn't snap to See? That. I didn't even get that. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally get off the boat. And emerge. Yes. Take a shower, hopefully. You know, the first thing I would do after I got off the boat would be take a shower. Yes. Or go check out what's happening around. Go poop in private. Get away from somebody. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I probably even need to get away from my husband for a little uh, right? while. Like, right? I just take some me time. <laughs> I just need a little time out. Yes, need to gather that, myself. That's not what Noah does. No, not at all. What does he do? The first thing Noah does when he steps off the boat he goes and makes a burnt offering, a sacrifice. He builds an altar and he worships God. Yes. That's his first thing, his first inclination. And, and I honestly think here, this is why God chose him. Because God is the forefront of his Yeah, life. exactly. Exactly. We're seeing yet again another example of why Noah found favor in yes. God's eyes. Because this is exactly it. Because not we're not taking into consideration, again, we've already discussed it, but the amount of faith that he had to have, the obedience that he had. Mm-hmm. And then for the first thing that he does is give a burnt sacrifice or make a burnt sacrifice to and, God. And worship God. Yeah. Yep. And I think with that, it's important, too, to, to show that because that was the first thing that he did, that, you know, sacrifices atone for sin. And like you said, you know, to worship God, they yeah. give you give thanks. And that ultimately, I think parallels or shows us the importance of Jesus' sacrifice down the road. So moving on to verse 21 through 23, um, you know, the Lord God said, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. How sad is that? I know. To me, that's just kind of like... He's given up. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. In this, right. In this, I hear God is, you know... I don't know if this is the right word to put it. And I'm sure that it's not. But, like, 
he's like, oh, you know, like my kids, you know, my creation, Mm -hmm. you know, that is just how they are from, you know, because they're evil from the youth. Not that that's saying that we are excused from our actions or from our sin, because Mm -hmm. we are absolutely not. But, you know, here I think it's just, we're just seeing his love for us again. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's just like, you know, I... I shouldn't get as mad as I did. I'm not regretting the fact that I flooded the earth. You know, everything God does is just and 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 right. Um, but he's just like, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna get that mad because that's just how they are. Yeah. I'm not gonna kill everybody again because that's just how they are. And yet again, we all know, or I shouldn't say we all know, but yet again we know that um all these roads are eventually leading us to the Messiah yep, to save all of us. They've had a plan from the to, very, very beginning. To save man. Yep. So. Yep. So 9-2, um, you know, actually 9-1, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. So I think this is where... We kind of had that shift from vegetarians to now people who eat meat. Yeah. And who hunt and and who do all that stuff. I like how it says, into your hands they are delivered, as in God gives us everything we have. Yeah, exactly. Like the pastor always says, what do you have that was not given to you? Exactly. Oh, wait. And so so having those, you know, clean animals and those unclean animals was for sacrifice while on the boat, but also for food. After they got off the boat. Yeah. Because they were, you know, not going to be able to have food from their stores because they ate them all. They had to replenish the stores that are growing. And then they don't have any, you know, way to kill any animals right now. So that God gives them time to figure all that out. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yes. And verse 9. No, verse 5. Um, it talks about murder. <laughs> Do you like that? Uh, Yes. Okay. So here we see that God is kind of addressing one of the major issues and cause of the flood in the first place is that corruptiveness and the violence. Like he is addressing the violence that was pre-flood to make sure that it doesn't happen again Mm -hmm. for both man and beast. So animals also. Yeah. Um, and I think verse five, it says, and for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. If you notice, he says require three times. And so in the study section of my Bible, it says this threefold usage of the same Hebrew verb underscores the principle that human life, which is in the image of God, is so valuable that God demands the life of the murderer as compensation for an unlawful killing. Yeah. And let's also keep in mind, too, that even in, like, historically in the time that the Bible is being written, a way that the author was going to get their point across... Was repeating it. Was repeating it. As, you know, I'm sure you've heard over and over again throughout these things. Verse 6. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. So this tells us two things in this verse. It says, God's endowment of the humans with this judicial authority shows that they bear responsibility for the actions of others, and it lays the foundation for the government by the state. Exactly. And then, though distorted by sin, people are still unique because they are made in the image of God. This explains why human blood, in contrast to animal blood, must be compensated for when an image bearer is murdered. Because he's talking about, like you said, he's addressing the previous violence that happened pre-flood, for both men and beast. And murder apparently was one of those big things that was yeah, just violence happening. Was, yeah. It was, you know. Blame it on Cain. Guilt, pollution. It's just, you know, horribleness <laughs> of the things. Yeah. So to kind of turn the page or, you know, go down in the opposite of murder. Yeah. Um, in the next verse, we see then God's promise to Noah and everyone and everything that came off of the ark. Um, and that is in verse um, chapter 9, verse 11. I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. 
And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between you, or I'm sorry, between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of, a, of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. Basically, he's saying, I'll never destroy the earth with a flood again. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's promising that. And he places his bow in the clouds. And that is the rainbow. Hold up. What? Yes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. In my notes, I said, my bow in the cloud. I literally put research because I was like, like a bow and arrow. Yeah, because I, and I don't, I think that I was just always like the bow that he's referring to is the rainbow. It comes after rain. Oh my god, that makes complete sense! Why didn't I put that together? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Look at God. <laughs> Loving us endlessly. Limitlessly. Seriously. And we can still see that. To this to day. To this day. That's to insane. this day. Wow. Okay. So moving on <laughs> to my... <laughs> I just... Wow. I can't... Wow. And I'm anyway. not sure if other interpretations of the Bible, um, if they if it actually says rainbow. I don't know. But yeah. it might. At any rate. <clears throat> Definitely. So we're moving on to okay. Noah's sons. Yes. So we're still in chapter 9 um, in verse 18. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about his sons before, but this is the first time now that we're discussing that we're mentioning their names. Shem, and again, I, I forgive my pronunciations. I can never do it right. Shem, Ham, and I would say Jepheth. Jepheth. Were his three children that uh, were on the ark with him and their wives. So we see then later um, in the chapter down in verse 20, Noah becomes basically a farmer um, and he plants and grows a vineyard, which we all know produces fruit, grapes, and then they can be used for wine or an wine. alcoholic beverage. Beverage. Uh, Noah had a little too much to drink you one day and he passed out naked. In um, a tent. In, a, in his tent. Yes. yes. Um, and Ham, one of his sons, walked in and saw his dad, A, passed out. And B, naked. And he ran, you know, to tell his brothers, I'm sure, because he thought it was hilarious. And ran to his brothers like, ha, 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 you know, you guys are never going to believe this. Dad's passed out naked in the tent. Go check it out. It's so funny. (laughs) And so then what his two brothers do is instead of also mocking and making fun of their dad, they go to the tent where Noah is, but they cover him up and they cover him up in a way that... They walk him backwards. Yeah, they walk him backwards so they can't see him and they cover him with a blanket. Yep. So... Yep. So seeing the nakedness of his father, so gazing at another man's or another person's nakedness and either lust or scorn is morally wrong, according to the Bible. Well, and let's keep in mind, too, that Adam and Eve just in the last episode were naked and they were fine until they ate from the tree yep. of good and evil. Yep. And then the, one of the first things that they did was get leaves to sew them together, fig leaves, yep. to cover themselves up. Yep. So Ham's scornful leering at the father who he him, who he should revere is particularly bad. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, if it wasn't enough that he saw his dad butt naked, he went and told his brothers about it. So, obviously, drinking wine is not forbidden, but drinking alcohol is, is you know, they they warn about the danger of drinking too much. much. Yeah. Yes. And then, you know, just being in pure nakedness is, is it's not a sin, I guess. It's just, just frowned upon. Frowned upon. Yes. So, telling, it's wrong to, to publicize another person's sin. A, he drank too much. B, he passed out naked. Um, how much more of a father? So, like... <laughs> It's 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 wrong to tell you about your brother or your sister or whatever that they are passed out naked in their tent, but to do it to your dad, who you're supposed to respect, um, it further condemns the failure to respect his parent. Basically, yeah. Noah wakes up and he's angry. Yes. Because he figured out he was covered, um, and so <laughs> before he dies, he kind of. He curses Ham's son. What's his name? Canaan. Canaan. Um, and then he said, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. So he blessed 
his other two uh, sons, Shem and Japheth. And then he said, and let Canaan be his servant. So then, then he died after living a whole 950 years. So he lived 350 years after the flood. Can we pause for a second and think about how much you could possibly learn in 950 years? It would be incredible. How smart I mean, How smart would you be? Even to think about like now living to be in your 90s, just the amount of change in the things that you would see. Yeah. Insane. insane. Like talk about pre-flood. The people were living to be like in their 900s. Wonder what kind of civilization we would have. Wonder what kind how? of civilization we would have found. Like, yeah. what if technology had just evolved? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and then it was just all destroyed. Yeah. Atlantis, anyone? Seriously. Anyway. Um, so, yes, Noah has died at the beginning of chapter 10. So, chapter 10 is kind of like chapter 5 in a way. It goes through the genealogies of Noah's sons. Um, so, starting with Jepheth, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Apologies Sounds if I'm right not. To me. Um, his his people kind of migrated west. They became the coastland people. Um, and he had 14 nations that his descendants came out of. Yeah, because that, let's keep like, in mind that Noah and his family, they are quite literally repopulating the the entire, entire face of the earth. earth. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of like a whole Cain sister situation. Yeah. Again. <laughs> Here we go. Except, except for the fact that they had wives from other people. Yes. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sons of Ham... Um, he, you remember, he's cursed. Not Ham himself is not cursed, but, but his, his offspring, offspring are yeah. cursed by Noah. Specifically Canaan. And Specifically Canaan. All of his, yes. So his, his descendants migrated south-southwest, um, and he had 30 nations coming from them. Among them were some of the most dreaded enemies of Israel, including the Canaanites, Egyptians, Babylonians, Assyrians, and the Philistines. I just think it's interesting, too, when you're reading through this, you're getting the names of his sons. So mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to just talk about their names and then the peoples or the mm-hmm. nations that come from them. Um, Egypt, um, the Egyptians were some of the ones that enslaved and oppressed the Israelites for years and years yeah. until God called Moses and pulled them out of Egypt. Um we have the Canaanites, who, by the way, inhabited Sodom and Gomorrah, mm. which we'll get to um, in a few episodes. But those cities were literally destroyed by God's angels and um, fire, rain fire from the sky. The Babylonians, who took Daniel and you know three other people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> They threw the latter three of them into a fiery furnace. I don't remember that. Um, And then then also Daniel, who they threw into a lion's den, all four of them simply for worshiping God. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Assyrians, who were just a conquering empire in that time that, you know, oppressed the Israelites. And then you had the Philistines, or Philistines, however Mm -hmm. you pronounce it. Whom the the giant Goliath was a Philistine, and that's who David defeated with his slingshot. And I think all of this just goes to show that Noah's curse held some weight. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And then lastly, we have the sons of Shem. Um, his migrated south-southeast instead of south-southwest, like the sons of Ham. Um, and he had 26 nations come from his descendants um, and this line leads to Abram and eventually the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So then that brings us uh, to the end of chapter 10. Um, and just to give a little bit of overview or, you know, some attributes of God that we see in these few chapters, we see love. You know, it might not sound like it, but the flood, God flooded the earth, but he was literally giving mankind another chance. Mm-hmm. We were so undeserving of it because we were the cause of having to need the flood in the first place. Yeah. Um, we see his faithfulness. He remembered all of his promises and covenants with Noah. Um, he made the earth livable again. He gives them animals for food and and etc. And then we also see justice. While he did give us another chance, he did give us a, a whole brand new earth. Mm-hmm. Um, our nature has remained the same. We are still evil from our youth. Yeah. Um, or our heart's desire is still evil from our youth. Yeah. And the earth is still tainted by sin. Yep. 
So we talked, and I think um, our favorite verse is chapter 7, verse 16. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Yes. And we kind of talked already about why we like that verse so much, but I just think those last few words, they're so intense. They're so, yeah. Saving them, literally separating them, the righteous from the wicked. Yes. And saving them over the the course of the flood. Yes. Insane. Today was packed full of so much. We had to unpack so much. Again, we're over on time. So sorry, guys. But the next episode, we're going to be going through chapters 11 through 15. Um, Again, we're going to have quite a lot to unpack in those chapters as well. So we're going to go through the Tower of Babel, the Call of Abram, um, Abram and Sarah, Abram and Lot. Um, We're going to be talking about God's covenant with Abram. Um, So we're getting into the meatiness of Genesis at this point. Um, So we want to thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the time we have spent in God's word and hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.